listening to This Is My Story. I'm Ruth O'Reilly-Smith. This show is all about sharing stories of how God's amazing love has changed lives forever. Since February 2022, the world has seen the devastation that has taken place in Ukraine at the hands of Russian forces. With some breaking news, the UN Human Rights Office has issued a damning statement describing the war in Ukraine as a horror story of violations against civilians. The killings of 50 civilians in Bucha. I should just say, by the way, if you can hear the sound of sirens in the background here in Kyiv, that is still a, a regular feature of life here in Ukraine. At the Ukrainian forces have been holding the line here since 2014 against Russian-backed separatists. They're still holding the line, but this time, against the Russian army. As time goes on, it becomes increasingly important to hear the stories of those who've lived under oppressive regimes in order to attempt to learn lessons from history, but also to get a glimpse of how God brings beauty from ashes and takes what is meant for evil and turns it for good. Today's episode is with Dr. Ursula Glinica, an artist and theologian who has dedicated her life to ministering to people through her art. Her story begins in her home country of Latvia, at the time under the occupation of the Soviet Union. I was born under um, power which was very violent and very oppressive, closed borders, no freedom of faith or no freedom of thought. I lost a lot of my family during the Soviet occupation as very many Baltic people did. People were sent to war camps in Siberia. A lot of people died on the way because they were transported in trains meant for cattle and not for people. No food, um, no drink, standing weeks long, really. If they survived the troubles coming to Siberia, seen as enemies, which they were not in any way, and um, a lot of people dying of hunger and thirst. And other people who then escaped to the western side, usually in small boats over the Baltic Sea and uh, landed up in displaced person camps, very often in Germany or in Sweden, and then made their way on to the Americas, Australia, um, New Zealand, and so on. So my family has been very small, and now it's gone. It's almost completely gone. Throughout the Soviet Union, there was a policy of state atheism. And whilst there was no ban on private, personal expressions of faith, a strong sense of social stigma was imposed by the official government structures and secular media. It was in this climate that Ursula found herself as a young child thinking about who or what God might be. I was very close to nature, so I felt God through nature. 
looking up at the starry sky. And as my grandmother told me, um, I looked like I was praying when I was about three or so. And actually, I was praying. I didn't know whom to pray to. So I was praying to the big tiger in the sky. My grandmother was playing the organ. She was traveling around the Lutheran churches in Latvia and playing there. It was very dangerous at that time. I went with her and I was really curious to know what it's about. She didn't know much herself. She just thought it's a good thing and it's a resistance thing to do. But I felt that love which was there, the love behind the songs, the love behind the Bible readings and among the people. On one of the trips with her grandmother, Ursula would experience the love of God in a remarkably tangible way. Traveling through the Latvian nature, I felt that there is somebody loving me, somebody loving us. And um, she was playing in a small countryside church. I don't really know where exactly in, in like eastern side of Latvia. And I was standing alone in front of the painting at the altar. And suddenly I had that very deep, profound feeling of being unconditionally loved. So I was starting to look for what it is about and who that might be who is loving me so much. A family bereavement at the age of 10 years old would cause Ursula to ask some of life's big questions. And she would begin to explore these questions in the tight-knit community of an underground church. My grandfather died, and the big question came for me, what now? What happens to him when he dies? So I was looking around and seeing if I could find some place to find out more. And there was a woman called Ida Predele. She was an ordained minister in the Lutheran Church, and she had a group of young people literally underground. We were in a cellar under a church. And she was telling the news about God's love and who God is and about God's ways. So that was where I found my Christian faith. And so in the cellar under church in the youth group, we're hearing then Bible stories, hearing about how God is and how people have related to God. And that was when I could, in a way, put a name or put many names to uh, my prayers. And since then, I have been, like, God has been my rock. Even at that young age, Ursula felt compelled to dedicate her life to ministering to others. Already in the underground church, I very strongly felt the call of God to serve in the church. So I really, really wanted to study theology, and I was very encouraged by Ida Predel, who led the group to study it as soon as it was possible. So as soon as the Faculty of Theology in Riga opened again at the university, it was closed for 50 years because of the atheist regime. So as soon as it opened, I started to study theology and I really had to cry the first days because I felt so happy. Mm. I felt like, well, this is really home. This is where I belong. In addition to having a curiosity for God and theology, Ursula also had a passion for expressing herself through art. Art has been very important to me as long as I can remember myself. 
I found a box where my grandmother had collected little sculptures that I had made of all materials I could find, bones and like a filling of furniture, upholstery and all kinds of things. And I also had a very classical education, so we learned to do art. Also, my father's family were composers of classical music, so it runs in the family in a way. Art is, for me at least, a different language. It's a language to put in things that are really important to me, to talk about peace and justice and environment, talk about um, the world around us, but also about God's love and God's supporting grace. Feeling incredibly invested in her country, she would eventually leave Latvia to pursue God's call on her life. I didn't have to flee in the same way as Ukrainians. It wasn't physical violence that, well, that made me leave my home. Um, I was part of the resistance before and I really uh, risked my life for my country. I went on the barricades, I was part of the Baltic chain. So my country meant a lot to me and was extremely hard to leave. What happened was, when I was just finishing my training and my studies in theology and just about to be ordained, the leadership of my home church changed and they excluded women from leadership. So that meant that I never got ordained in Latvia and I tried to stay and try to do something you know, um, you try to do other things. Um, if they are not your calling, you are not happy with that. I also tried to do art full time as a kind of different way to live theology and to talk about things. But doing only that was not the right thing, it was not enough for me. So I needed to find a church that would take me, a foreigner, a woman, a rebel, and that took quite a while to find. Ursula's journey has taken her across Europe, living in Norway, Germany, the Republic of Ireland, Spain, all before finding her current home here in the UK. During this journey, she has spent years honing her craft. So I started to work in stone. I worked with um, marble and alabaster in Italy. But then arthritis hit me, so I couldn't do stone anymore. And I was looking for a different material. I spent time in Barcelona, in Spain, or Catalonia, I must say in an international artist center metaphor of trying to find new ways, new forms, new material. And that was when I found my current uh, material, which is resin, transparent resin. Not only did she become more and more confident in the materials that she used to create her work, but also in the why behind her art. This would eventually inspire the name of her website, artseekingmeaning.com. I really love nature, so my first love um, research-wise was biology, and that is what I wanted to study. 
um, environmental art especially and um, is important to me because of that connection with environment and nature. So all my sculptures have organic forms. It looks like frozen water, like under sea creatures, like something plants formed. And I also work drop by drop. And that technique means on one hand side that you can never repeat one sculpture. Every of them becomes different, but also it looks like ice because it kind of freezes in the process of dripping down. Growing up in an oppressed country, in a very violent and very unjust system, I developed a very strong sense of justice and also that I needed to stand with people who are treated in unjust ways, to stand with people on the margins of society, stand with people who are excluded, um, try to help them to realize their worth, to realize that they are loved and that they are wanted by God. And then together with them work on reaching their rights and getting them included and appreciated in societies. And also being excluded myself because of being a woman, it has been extremely painful. It also has been hard to be a foreigner now most of my life in one country after other. But also, again, that strengthened that sense that I'm standing with people who are excluded. As Ursula has continued to create art with meaning, she began to realize the impact that her work could have on the spiritual lives of those appreciating it. How she could actually minister to people through her sculptures. Well, we were talking a lot about um, faith and religion and theology when I was in the artist center in Barcelona. Most of the other artists, they were not religious or at least not consciously religious in that sense. And we were talking about what art and faith could have in common, that also people who are not Christian, people who are not religious might see. And one thing that we found were values like inclusion, like justice, like environment but also meaning, looking for meaning in life, looking for why do we live and why do we fight for justice? What, what is the meaning? What is the sense? Faith is a journey. We arrive well when we are on the lap of God when we pass away. But on the way, we can learn, we can journey and we can seek. We can seek what is the meaning, what is the sense in this moment? And what is the right thing to do in this moment and this time? Ursula's journey has brought her to the UK, specifically Scotland, through the Iona community. I was working with the Anglican Church in Spain when I was doing art there. And of course, church found me again. So I was working with the churches in Costa Brava and they were using Iona community songs and liturgies. 
And I really like them because of the inclusive language, because of focus on peace and justice. So I Googled it and I really liked what I saw about Iona, about the history, but especially about the community. It's a dispersed community. So it doesn't live on the Isle of Iona, really. There is a member or two in residence who stay just for some weeks. And there is stuff. And also the most beautiful thing on the island for me is the volunteers. We used to have um, about 30 volunteers from all around the world and people forming friendships that last lifelong across generations and across continents. And it's, a, it's an ecumenical community, it's an inclusive community. And as I mentioned before, the main focus is peace, social justice and environment. And after a lifetime of ministering to people from all across the globe through her artwork, Ursula has finally been officially ordained. <laughs> this year, just Yay! beginning of this year. <laughs> that has been a journey of 32 years. Wow, Ursula. <laughs> but how does it feel and what difference does it make to you actually being ordained earlier this year? The main thing for me, um, there has been a very deep pain for a very long time that I was not allowed to lead communion. I was placed in Greyfriars Church in um, Edinburgh before and we do evening services called refugio. And I was asked by the Episcopalian priest to swap and he was supposed to do communion. So that was then going to be my first communion and the information got lost on the way. So people who were gathered there and other people leading the service didn't know that I'm going to lead it and that it's going to be my first. And it was like um, God had prepared it, especially, I always say God has a sense of humor. So we had live music, which usually doesn't happen at that service. And Richard Fraser, who is minister at Greyfriars, he was preaching. And he, not knowing that I would be there even, was preaching about Iona. And so it felt just so perfect. And I used an Iona liturgy for the communion. And it was such an absolutely amazing feeling to be able to do it. It was an absolute privilege and joy. And it was like the heaven was opening when I was able to do it. And it was, I would say, probably one of the most amazing and special days or evenings of my life. listening to This Is My Story with Ursula Glinica. You can find out more about her work at artseekingmeaning.com. Today's episode was hosted by me, Ruth O'Reilly-Smith, produced and edited by Ed Jervis. Special thanks to Will Jones. Make sure you subscribe and for more UCB podcasts, you can download the UCB Player app or search UCB wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.